0: And I'm bringing on the very best business leaders to give you advice on how to build your business empire. Let's amplify your voice and business. Welcome back to the podcast in Amplify podcast. Today, I'm talking with Kelsey Chia. She's a mindset and money coach, and she has over six years of experience on Wall Street and also 20 years of a mindfulness practice. And she helps women entrepreneurs really achieve their financial freedom without losing the joy by helping them, you know, really master their emotions and their time and their money. So I am so happy that you're here with me to talk to me about money mindset. Welcome, Kelsey. Hi, I'm very excited to be here. So let's talk about what some of the most common money mindset blocks um, that entrepreneurs come up against and how they can overcome them?
1: Yeah, so um, first and foremost, I think one of the very common mindset blocks many entrepreneurs have, especially service-based entrepreneurs, like coaches, consultants, is with regards to pricing, you know, pricing their services. And usually that is the hardest part because most of the time, like service-based entrepreneurs, we are trading our time for money, right? And you hear a lot of business advice out there that says that you should charge a worth, but you should never undercharge and charge your worth. So that is a helpful advice, but that is not necessarily the best mindset, I think, especially a budding entrepreneur or aspiring entrepreneur should have, because it can be detrimental if you don't actually get the clients and you raise your prices. So here's what happens, right? You know, how do you feel when you hear this advice, charge, over? How do you feel, Kristen? I guess I feel a little conflicted
0: about it. <laughs> yeah. Because, like, who defines that? I guess I do. <laughs> no <Don't> words, <laughs> so, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, precisely. And a lot of times, I think
1: what they're really trying to drive at is that, you know, you are priceless right? So you should really just charge whatever you want. So when the advice charge of worth, like most of the time people would then think, oh, I am entitled to charge what I deserve. You feel more entitled, you feel more confident, and then you raise your prices and go about marketing at your new price. But what happens after a few weeks of marketing and no client signs you at your new price, right? You feel dejected. I feel a little bit disappointed. But what's worse is that your brain is subconsciously picking up signals that you are actually not worth the price that you want to charge. So that is a direct attack to your ego, right? It's basically saying that you're not worthy enough, like when you have no clients charging. So when you tie your worth with your pricing, that is a very detrimental impact to your mental health. So I think first and foremost, I think a common misconception, and this is, a, this is an advice I don't think any entrepreneur should have, is to tie their own work to their pricing. So I think this, um, the other common mindset loss I think happening a lot, especially for female entrepreneurs, is their relationship with money. So a lot of times women, we have um, different views about what money is compared to men. Right. And sometimes it could show up, it could be like, you know, I don't think I should charge this price because I don't want others to think that I'm greedy, that I'm I'm caring, that I'm selfish, that I'm doing this for money. Um, It happens a lot with, you know, heart-centered entrepreneurs, people who just want to serve, right? Like they would have all these thoughts that come come in their way and it it affects the way they want to raise the price or to charge higher, to even go for a bigger money goal right? Because they think that, you know, if they do this, first of all, they feel guilty. They feel that they are not um, this caring person anymore, that they are just shallow because they de- they desire more money. So these are like just some of the common, like, mindset blocks that show up, especially um, to a lot of female and heart center entrepreneurs. These are some of the blocks that really stop them from chasing after that bigger goal, even though, like, There's a part of them that really wants it. There's a part of them that don't want it as well. And that is conflicting in terms of the way they show up and the way they want to think about the way they charge their prices or, you know, the way they interact their clients.
0: Yeah, I think there are so many sort of messed up conditioning and ideas um, around the relationship that women should have with money. Yeah. That prevents us from really like stepping into our power in that realm. I think it's seen as just not something that we should do because it's not quote unquote nice. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Wanting money, not being something that a nice person, you know, would want to do, which is first of all, ridiculous. Um, but we've been, yeah. you know, we've really internalized these messages. So I think you're so right mm-hmm. that it holds us back from setting those goals and reaching further yeah. just to be, Compensated as much as we should be, we and or as men expect to be. And someone relayed this percentage to me, and you might know this. I can't remember the exact um, statistic, but it was something along the lines of when you invest money in women, and when women make money, they they invest. It's like eighty percent back into their communities. Um, whereas men it's like 30%. I mean, I mean, those numbers aren't, Mm -hmm. might not be accurate, but it's something along those lines of like, you know, when women do make a lot of money, they share it. And so that is really the only way that we can create big changes is if we make big money. Yeah, precisely,
1: precisely. Yeah. So I think it's really important for a lot of women to share the same understanding that, you know, having more money is not that like it's what you do with the money and having the realization that once you have the money you have the power to allocate them to where you want to go right be it for your family be it for your community there's so many causes that you can support as well when you have the ability to so as a start it's really to decondition ourselves from the belief that oh Having money means that I'm bad. Like I'm seen as a nasty person. I have to do something bad in order to make that amount of money. So it's really to pull yourself out from that narrative.
0: And you mentioned too, uh, you know, our thoughts around, I think it, it was around sort of time equaling money or, and I've heard this idea recently of being able to make money outside of time. To make money passively.
1: Right? So there are two forms in which we can make money, right? One is really trading our time for money, right? And the other time is to have money work for us. So that means investing, right? Investing into assets that can run passively or setting up businesses that can run passively. So building a system in which the money can just continue to grow without us having to put additional effort to it. So that is um, really how you can create wealth. So all of us, we want to have the freedom to eventually do things that we like, do not really care about you know, having to work for a living. right? And to, to be able to achieve that, you need to have the money be working for you. And the only way to do that is when you invest right, into assets that are able to generate returns without you having to spend additional time on it.
0: Yes. Okay. I love that breakdown. Um, cause I hadn't really thought of it that way. So <laughs> that is really, really helpful. Cause it just kind of made me envision, oh yeah, that's, that's the deal, right? That's how you get that sort of like wealth that, you know, gets us to the, all of us to that place where we all will want to be is basically, I don't have to like work every single day or, you know, just have that freedom, yeah. I think. Yeah, um, precisely. So I want to talk about what are some mindset shifts that will, are helpful when you're trying to hire your first client and make that money? Yeah, <laughs> yeah
1: of course, right? So um, a helpful mindset shift, I think there's only one mindset shift that uh, an entrepreneur needs to have your first client. And that is to really understand what money is, Right. Money is simply an exchange of value based on the law of supply and demand. So it has got nothing to do with your own worth, right? So the whatever that we talked about just now, it has got nothing to do with that. It is only um demand and supply. And a monetary transaction will occur when the perceived value by the buyer is higher than the price that they're willing to pay. Right? So like if you want to buy something, you will buy it. You put your money to the seller because you think that the, the, the value that you'll be getting back is way bigger right? <laughs> than the money that you're giving. That's why you want to give it to that person, right? to, the, to, the, to the buyer, so to the seller, to the entrepreneur. So, and I would like to highlight the word perceive, right? So it's not about what you think your value of your work. It's what your clients think about the value of your work. And what an entrepreneur should do is to really understand their positioning in the market. And so understanding what makes them stand out and why are they the perfect solution to the client's problem. So an entrepreneur really needs to be confident of the value that they're providing and help the client understand why they are the perfect solution to the client's problem. And that's how you can get your first client. When you are able to show your clients to tell them that, hey, you know, I am the perfect solution that you need to solve your problem. So the really helpful mindset shift to have is instead of focusing on thinking about what I am worth, what my prices should be, what my packages should be. You should be thinking about what my clients will think of the value of my work. What is the transformation or the result I can provide to my clients? right and each client has a different perception right and that's why you know cuz depending on who you're serving you have people who come from different backgrounds some people are they have high net worth individuals you if you want to target a retail market so you can think about like let's say bags right so you have bags that are only targeted at the high net worth clients like each bag costs like $5,000, $10,000, $15,000. And you have bags that are targets, um, for the mass market, like $10, $20, $30, right? So because the client perceives the bag differently, even though the function is the same, right? So it is about the client's perception of what the value is and not really about what you are as a person. So you really need to detach yourself from the value you're providing especially if you're a service-based entrepreneur.
0: Yeah, and I love that. And it's so important because I think selling is very uncomfortable for a lot of people. And I was in this, I think it was a networking call and someone said um, there was, I think, a a money mindset, you know, person, coach or something on, on the call. And someone said, well, I don't like asking for money. and the coach said, oh, you're, it's, it's never about you asking for money. It's about an exchange, right? Like a value exchange. Like you're providing yeah. this value and then they're paying you for that value. And so that really clicked with me too. So closely up to what you're saying around, it's just this exchange. And I think mm-hmm. if you can look at it like that, own that and look for the client that you want to have that exchange with. Yeah. Um, Because not everyone's gonna be your client, like you're saying, Like not everyone's going to perceive that value. And you wanna make sure that you're speaking to the person that does see the value. Definitely, it's a lot about the
1: energy as well. Mm -hmm. Like, because especially when you're selling, the client can feel the way you are presenting yourself and presenting your offer. It is that invisible aura, like when you talk about like energy, right? Like both of us can stand here, but if you are able to present yourself confidently, like the client will also feel it and the client will be like, oh, wow, like you can definitely help me, even though it can be saying the same words, right? But then the the, the conviction that you're saying something with that can really change the way the client perceives you as well.
0: Definitely. So I want to ask you too, how can you shift your mindset when you want to start increasing your revenue? So like you're getting clients consistently, but you want to go to that uh, next level in your business plan or your trajectory. Yeah. So like what we talked about, right? Money is really just the exchange of value. So
1: when you desire a higher revenue, you are basically um, solving a bigger problem. You are providing a greater value to the world, right? So like if you desire to be, let's say a six-figure entrepreneur or a seven-figure entrepreneur, you need to be finding a problem that is worth that, that value, that amount, right? For example, if you think about, let's say, some of the big companies in the world, like Apple or like Amazon, right? The kind of like, how many lives are they touching each day? by millions of people, right? So if you desire to be a successful entrepreneur, maybe you need to at least be able to impact a couple of hundred to a thousand people, right? For you to reach that revenue level. And that comes with responsibilities too, right? So you need to first be able to become that person that's able to problem solve at the level where it can handle that kind of responsibilities that come with the money that you desire. and From there, then you step back to the reality. So let's say you want to go from 10k months to a consistent like 100k months or something like that, right? So your reality is that right now you're in 10k, but you need to consistently remind yourself that for you to be higher revenue levels, what are some of the key decisions you have to make, right? What can you do with the time that you have? How can you scale? What what kind of hiring decisions they have to make? So you have to be thinking from that level, and then bridge the gap from where you are right now. So because your current reality is that you are not there yet, right? But you have to start thinking from that level and problem solve from there. And then the way you think about your time is going to be very different. So because if you are, let's say, you are busy with um, your, your hands are full with clients right now but you want to scale to the next level. You have to start thinking, how can I scale? So the, the way you think about time management is gonna be very different. You, you think about how can I hire more people to help with this task so that I can put some other initiatives in place for me to scale, right? So you need to problem solve from a higher level the place that you want to go and make decisions from there to bridge that reality.
0: Okay, so I'm just wrapping my brain around that a little bit as you're you're talking about it because it it makes so much sense. So you kind of have to be thinking like ten steps ahead a bit and think yeah if I'm gonna if I want to hit this higher revenue goal, it's almost like reverse engineering a little bit. Correct. Okay. Yeah. To figure out okay, I'm at ten. How do I get to hundred? And then mm-hmm. let's like work our way backwards a little bit. What kind of support will I need? What kind of time will I need back of my own to dedicate? Got it. Okay. So it's kind of like thinking like or acting like you're in that place before you're actually there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And you have to. Yeah. Because you and you have to be you have to do that first. Because if you don't do that first, it's actually hard for you to bridge to go over to that side. Right, because if you are just stuck with your current problems, for example, because the problem you have now is something different from the problem that you'll have later on. Right. And then you have to take the steps to get there. So because let's say like because all of us we're consumed by time, right? And money. So these are the two resources we really have to juggle to build the building blocks to get to the next revenue level. It's really just that how do you go about managing your time? How do you go about managing your money? What are the trade-offs you want to make right now for you to breach that
0: gap? I think when I've when people have kind of talked to me about it, it's been a little more, I don't know, aspirational, maybe like felt woo-ish, which is not a bad thing, but just sort of hearing how you have just explained it, it's kind of like, No, yeah, you have to do this step because that's what's going to get you there. And I think, too, you know, what I'm hearing also is like you're kind of building that muscle of being able to solve your future problems by stepping into solving similar problems. Right. Like they may not be the full blown 100K problems, but at least Mm -hmm. you're on that path and you're building that Mm -hmm. problem solving muscle of like getting to there. 100%. It's it's
1: really building that muscle. It's really making, to become that person that's capable of handling all the responsibilities and a problem, right? Because once you are capable of handling that kind of of skill of problems, you will be able
0: to get there. Right. Like there's nothing there to stop you.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: Yeah. (sighs) Okay. Love it, Kelsey. This is good stuff. Hey, Explorers, we'll get back to the show in just a moment, but I wanted to take just a few seconds to invite you to the free workshop that I created. It's called The Three Secrets to Starting Your Successful Podcast. Now, it's all about helping you to start your dream podcast so that you can share your voice and expand your business. If you want to join, just go to explorerandyou.com. It's totally free. All right, friend, back to the show. So my last question for you is... So once you have the money, you've gotten to that 100K, 500K, whatever, whatever goal you're trying to get to, yeah. and you have the means to be able to invest. So what are the ways that you can build your portfolio and build your wealth? That's the fun part, right? Building wealth. So I love to
1: really empower them to take control of the finances. Uh, so the first thing is that you don't actually need to have like a chunk of money sitting in your bank account before you can start investing, right? Most of the time, what you really need is once you have, uh, once you really know like what your budget is, how much you're spending each month, and you have like three to six months of expenses saved up just for emergency, you can start thinking about investing. So usually it's not a lot. It's not a huge chunk of money. Like, you don't have to think that you have to save about 100k or that like 500k before work can start investing so that is not true um what i like to tell my clients is that first of all you just have the angle in mind right what what do you want to get out of you know like your life right what is a dream lifestyle that you want to lead like do you want to travel the world Like, where do you want to live like how what, what kind of like house do you want to live in like what kind of uh lifestyle you want to have basically and then work backwards again. So everything's sort working backwards. So you go forward, dream whatever dream you want and then work backwards. So you figure out what how much you need to support that lifestyle. So you take that amount, let's say it is hundred K per year, right? in terms of living expenses. And then you multiply that by twenty five. So that is a rule of thumb. So it will change the actual number will change depending on the circumstance, but that is just a good start. Right. So you take the, the um Living annual living expenses multiplied by 25, so that is sort of the your financially free number, so a number that you have to save, right? And then you think about how can I get there? So what kind of uh, investment instruments I should put my money in? So earlier we talked about um, passive assets, right? How to make my money work for me? So there are a couple of there are a lot of um, assets out there. For example, you have stocks, you have bonds, you have real estate, you have cryptocurrencies, you can build your own business as well. Business is also considered an asset. Um, So you have all these instruments. And what can you do? What should you do? So most of the time, you need to do your own research and understand the risk and into investing all of them. But first off, I think what everyone needs is to have um, their own retirement accounts, like your taxes per accounts, your 401k or IRA, because those have tax advantages. And you should definitely take advantage of that because you can save a lot in taxes and taxes are not small money. So take advantage of you know, IRA or 401k right, to save on those taxes because um, some of them, can, you can grow the money tax-free. right? So if you have Roth IRA, you can put the money Pay the taxes now, but the investment will just grow tax-free, so you can withdraw the money without having to pay any other tax. So, take advantage of that. That's the first thing. Always take advantage of any retirement accounts. And the second thing, if you're lazy, like you don't want to do so much research, right, Putting your money into index funds, ETFs, is the best thing you can do. Like Warren Buffett even advocates for that as well. Because a lot of times in the financial industry, people who are actively choosing stocks can't really beat the market. So by market, I mean um, just the index, right? Like S&P 500 is the market, because it's basically when you invest into this S&P 500, you are buying like 500, so it's the largest 500 companies in the US, right? and there is a requirement. Um, so there are a couple of requirements to be included in the S&P 500. So for example, so I have prepared this, like the company needs to have at least a market cap of 13.8 billion. It needs to be highly liquid. It needs to have a float of about 10% of shares outstanding. It means that it is highly liquid. And then most importantly, its most recent earnings has to be positive and that the last 12 month earnings have to be positive as well. So these are all the requirements before a company can be included in the S&P 500. So you know, when you put your money in the S&P 500, it's almost like the safest bet because they're betting the top 500 companies and these companies have guaranteed, when you invest in them, all of them have positive earnings. right? And if you do look at some of the constituents of this 500 companies, you basically are using their service or their product every single day. You have your Google, you have your Dell computer, you have, I don't know, Costco, Walmart, Amazon, all these companies that you are familiar with. So if you don't put your money in there, you basically think that, oh, these these companies are not going to survive, which is not true. because you are using these companies every single day. So it is almost like a foolproof investment. Unless you think that the world's gonna collapse tomorrow and all these companies are not gonna be existent, there is no reason why you should not put your money in there. Um, So, of course, this is not an investment advice. This is educational, right? Right. So what I'm sharing are just facts, right? What S&P 500 is about and what a company needs to have before they can be included in the S and P 500. So once you understand this, like yeah, like and, and and what and the best thing is that you know when you put your money into the S and P 500, you know, whenever you're spending, like when you spend, it becomes a revenue of the company, and eventually you still get back some of them because the
0: the stock price will grow. So so if you're buying every day on Amazon, anyways. Maybe invest in them as well. <laughs> yes.
1: You need to, right? You need to, actually. Right. But especially for companies that you really value, that you think that you love the product so much, I think it just makes sense to buy like a piece of the company as well because you, you get like, some of your money back. Right, right. Exactly. right. And
0: you're kind of leaving it on the table a little bit because you yeah. know, you're putting it there. So <laughs> Yeah,
1: precisely. That, and that's, that's exactly what investment is about.
0: Okay. And then, so if someone wanted to do that, would they go, like, what, is, are there apps that they could use that would make it really simple?
1: Yeah. So, so I think first and foremost is to, after you take advantage of the retirement accounts, right? Because those offer like tax advantages, right? So like in those retirement accounts, depending on what retirement account you choose, there are options where you can buy those funds. So take advantage of those. And then once you have maxed up, because those retirement accounts usually have contribution limits. So once you have maxed up those, then you think about opening brokerages. So you can open with, um, there's child swap, there's like a lot of others, there's Robinhood as well, but uh, I would go with like, so I have one with TD, um, child swap, I think it's good. But also always do your own research, but usually there's nothing fidelity, but there's nothing wrong, just choose a big name. Broker that, that that you know, and usually they are pretty safe. And then, and then once you open that, just go into the account and just search for like index funds. And so S and P five hundred is one of them, but there are actually a lot more. it can go even more diverse. I mean, go even more niche. So you can select, for example, like you love tech stocks a lot. Like you can just select tech, mm-hmm. stores, or if you love real estate stocks a lot. So instead of investing into buying like an apartment. Right, you can also invest in real estate index too. So, like there are the different categories that you can choose from as well. The best thing is that index they are you are buying a basket of companies. So, like there is less risk of one company just going bankrupt, right? And usually, index you need to read like what are the requirements they need to fulfill before they can be included in one index. And like like what I mentioned just now, S and P 500. It just makes total sense for you to just invest into them, right? Because of the requirements. So I get a lot of options in which you can choose. And a good website to go to is, I think it's um, etfdatabase.com. So that website is where there are tons of like funds out there. You can just do some research and to understand like, oh, what are the historical performance? What are the, the fees? Fees is one of them that you have to look out for. Um, usually, ETFs have pretty low fees. Index funds,
0: so just take, make sure to look out for the fees, and that's basically it. So, would you recommend that people do this themselves or hire someone? So, I would recommend
1: you to understand the basics of what you know investment is about. Here's why, right? Uh, financial advisors may not have the same interest as you because of the way they're paid. So financial advisors usually, they are paid um, depending on the product that you choose. And some product may have a higher uh, compensation for them and not you. So like the returns of that product may not be as good most of the time. Um, and it, it's like insurance agents, um well, so 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 what I want to say is really the conflict of interest, right? Because the way they're being paid sometimes is tied to the decisions you make on your investment products, right? And they may say that, oh, like this is good for you. The product maybe is good, but it may not necessarily be the best. And they may not show you what's really out there because they have different interests from you. So I would always recommend my clients. I always advocate like everyone to really have a basic understanding of what investment investment is. Like what I've shared today, it's not that difficult, right? Like we have you have sort of basic understanding of what investment is. Right, it is actually not a very scary or like difficult um, subject. It can seem that way, but it is not that way. I'm I'm sure like. Now, a couple of years ago, I also thought that it's, it's complicated and I was scared, especially for a lot of women. Like I remember just feeling really scared to just talk about it or like, because my friends are not interested in it. And then every single time, like I have to just like join a bunch of like investment clubs and like, it's just the proportion of the gender proportion is just not right. And I feel intimidated. But, but um. But at the end of the day, what I really recommend is for you to have a basic understanding. It's not too difficult to understand. And then once you understand, like what I've mentioned, I think it's not too, it's not too hard to do it yourself. And you may actually do it better than your financial advisor because
0: they may not have the same interests as you. That That makes sense in terms of there sometimes being a, a conflict with, say, a financial advisor. Okay, so I have two more questions for you. The first one is, is there a percentage that we should be putting into these retirement accounts or the, you know, investing in index Mm -hmm. stocks, Um, or does that really just depend on what your goals, financial goals are?
1: So the first step is to understand your cash flow needs. Basically, you do not want to invest money that you may use in the near term. So, like before you invest, it's always good to know that you only invest money where you that you will not be touching for years, right? Because sometimes the stock market can fall; they can correct. Right? Over time, it's gonna grow, right? Over 30, 40, 50 years, it's gonna grow for sure. Like that I can be 100% certain. But then you have market cycles where from 2000 to 2010 like the S&P 500 was like flat was zero negative so it's always good for you to have set aside like a sum of money where you will not be touching for years so meaning that you know once you know how much you're spending per month and then you have about three to six months saved for emergency needs so for example like like you're not able to get clients for a couple of months, you have to rely on those like emergency funds, right? To to type through the couple of months. And once you have that set, like everything else, you can really put um, into investments. So the idea here is to just not touch the sum of money. For it to be a foolproof um, a plan, right? To not just, to not touch it. Because when you touch it, who knows Like I
0: mean, market, markets do correct. Right. It's a long game approach. Yeah. So it's not really a certain percentage of, I guess it would be of your leftover income. Yeah. Right. Right. So, so like once you figure it out, like maybe you,
1: maybe you're earning $5,000 and then you really need um, $3,000 for your expenses. Right. And then you have like, let's say you have saved up, you have saved up $6,000 as well for emergency needs. Um, okay. 9,000. So three times three, 9,000.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. And everything
1: every So after that is saved, like every single month, whatever that's extra, the extra 2000, you can simply invest. Yeah.
0: And then do you have any recommendations for like books or podcasts or groups that people can join to help them become more educated around finances?
1: I think rich that for that. Um, I think that's a good spot to start thinking about like money.
0: Kelsey, this has been a really informative conversation. I know I've learned a lot. I am someone who does tend to shy away from the financial conversations, you know, sometimes I'm really, I feel like I'm really good. And then other times I just feel like, Oh, I don't know what I'm doing kind of thing. But um, this conversation has been very helpful. And I want to make sure that listeners can find out more about you and know where to connect with you. So yeah, so you can find me at uh, on Instagram
1: at blissfulwealth. That is the only social channel I have. Um, I'll be doing a weekly um, Instagram live, um, probably in a couple of weeks, um, just talking about women, money, and impact. So, like, this would be the main topic that I'll be covering, like, some of which would be what we have been talking about today. Um, Really, I really wish to empower more women and take control of their own finances. Because I think it's just natural, like because of the way we grow up, the way we think about money or our moms or our our families think about money, right? Women, a lot of times, especially if we are in a relationship, like we tend to, it's just natural for us to surrender that control to our partners, especially like money can seem intimidating sometimes. So I, I really hope that, you know when more women start taking control of their finances and and learn how to do it in a way where, you know, the the partner is the relationship will thrive as well. Right? Money shouldn't be a conflict, right? Money should really be a means to enhance the relationship. And when women also take control of their finances, you can truly then be equal in the relationship, right? And I really hope that you know more women will start to recognize that and to to learn how to navigate through their own like thoughts insecurities and the way they see themselves with money to build their relationships so that money is just a means for them to have a thriving life
0: i love it i love your mission and i feel like people hop on your Instagram lives. They'll get like little nuggets every week. And I think that's kind of what you need is to, especially with something that can be intimidating is to just keep hearing it over and over again. At least that's been my experience. And then it starts to sink in and then it starts to become familiar and less scary and awkward and foreign. I think that, you know, just exposing yourself to it here and there and and continuing to to do that is really important. So thank you for coming on and and sharing all of your tips and your knowledge. Um, I think that we do want women to just really own their their financial power. And that's how we're all going to lift and have really... Driving lives, just like you said. So um, thank you again for being on the show. Thank you, Krista. I really enjoyed our conversation. If you love today's episode, please subscribe so you don't miss a show. And rating and reviewing this podcast is the best way to help support us. Always remember your voice and what you have to offer is needed in the world. Until next week, take care.